0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. If you have your Bibles, uh, do me a favor and open it. If you don't, if it's a digital Bible, you version. Um, on your phone or your iPad, whatever it is, I want you to break open the scripture with me this morning. I'm going to expound a little bit in the word of God, if that's okay. Everybody alive this morning? Amen. 1 Corinthians, it's going to be 14, starting in verse 26. And just hold your finger there if you can. 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 26. Going to be quite a bit of scripture reading this morning, and I feel it's going to be necessary simply because um, what I'm going to teach/slash preach on is a, a, a bit controversial, and I would say the church at large, for the greater part, Tends to stay away from these topics for clear reasons. Um, it can obviously make a church really weird—not spiritual, but weird. Everybody say weird. You ever seen these kind of movements? That, um, and I'm okay with falling down under the power of God and people shaking, but they better wake up changed. <laughs> Do not wake up the same. A real touch from the Holy Spirit will have you shake, might have you shaking on the ground a little bit, but when you get up, something broke off of your life, and you've waked up, you've woken up changed and transformed. The, Holy, the, the touch that's not of the Holy Spirit, that's just a called a touch of weird, I call that, is they get up and they're the same person that uh, fell down. So we don't want to produce that kind of weirdness. So if we're going to have a little bit of weirdness going on, we just want it to be the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the believer's life. Somebody say amen to that. You know, before I get into this uh, scripture, I have a question I want to ask. I wonder if we put away all of our dispositions, all of our experiences, all of our church-going experiences, the way that we've seen church conducted over the years, and we simply broke open the Bible as a church and read the Bible and actually did what the Bible did and conduct services the way that the book of Acts did. I wonder what church would look like then. I mean, what I'm seeing now when, I, when I, I get convicted, not just as a pastor, but as a person, for years and years and years, I've been a part of thousands of services, heard hours and hundreds of thousands of hours worth of teaching for the past 17, almost 18 years. But the more, the more that I'm becoming a student of the Word of God and I'm reading it, I, I look at the Bible and I look at our services. I look at the Bible, and then I look at the church at large, the way that things are conducted. And I can't help but sit here and think, God, are we missing it somewhere? The Bible says that signs and wonders follow them that believe. Then why aren't signs and wonders following our lives? That's what Jesus said. Signs and wonders follow them that believe. But no, we formulated and we've created organizations versus a living organism. To be honest with you, I think I've kind of perfected it in some ways and I'm trying to get out of it. I'm trying to wipe it off of myself every single Sunday and Thursday. It's pretty easy. We have an opening prayer and make sure you have a really fast song because we have to warm warm up in God's presence. Second song, we'll make it a little bit deeper because we don't wanna bring you too deep too fast. We don't want you to drown spiritually. In that third song, we're going to make it really deep and we're going to end it with a nice exhortation Gonna have a great pompous message. Make sure it's 25 minutes long. If you go over 35 minutes, bellies start getting a little hungry. So we got to make sure everybody gets released on time. Make sure that is at about 77 degrees. 78 is a little hot for me and for those of you who really like it cold, we'll make it 76 degrees. We formulated all these different procedures and protocols throughout the church to fit whatever we call religion, and then we call it having an experience with God. But the more and more I'm reading through the Bible, I'm getting disturbed because I'm not seeing the results that the Bible is talking a believer should produce. There's one place in the Bible I want to read to you, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26 through 33. And it's the only place in the New Testament Without question, that actually the heading says order in church meetings. The order. Everybody say order. God is a God of order. There is an order in church meetings. And I want to read this to you, and I'm going to read it both in the New King James Version in the Message Bible. I hope that those who like teachings get something out of this, but those who like preaching, I'll get to that in just a minute, and hopefully we'll have a little bit of both. And it says this, how is it then, brethren... Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm. Did it say one of you? Each of you has a psalm, has a teaching. Everybody say each of you. Has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. But let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in tongues, let there be two or th- at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter interpreter, let them keep silent in the church and let let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak. In other words, the people who are speaking on the behalf of God and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who stands by, let the preacher shut up. Let the preacher keep silent. If you see that in a church, you're going to have the security throw the person out. If another is revealed by someone sitting by, and when I read it in the Message Bible, hopefully it'll be a little bit more clear. For you can all prophesy. Everybody say, I can prophesy. I can prophesy. We're going to do some prophetic declarations this morning, one by one, that all may learn and be encouraged. Do you see that there were, someone may have got a little something out of the exhortation portion of the service? When I was speaking, when I was praying, when we were doing some prophetic declaration, when we were praying for healing, and then Moses comes up because something was revealed to someone standing by. Do you see that? For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, and in all the churches of the saints. Now, I'm going to read the Message Bible. Just bear with me. I'm going to be a little bit laborious this morning. Here's Paul's command. Now, watch this. He does, it's not a suggestion here. He says, so here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do when you gather for worship. Each of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. In other words, when we come to church, we're not supposed to just come to receive the word. He's saying, don't just come ready to hear a little message to encourage you in your life. He's saying, come prepared. Come prepared, Maddie. Come prepared, Kelly. Come prepared with a word, Mo. Come prepared to bring something to the table that can edify the church as a body of believers. Amen. Each of you, everybody say each, be prepared with something that will be useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. If prayers are offered in tongues, two or three is the limit. And then only if someone is present who can interpret what you're saying. Otherwise, keep it between you and God. Somebody say, don't get weird. I try when I pray in the spirit or what they call praying in tongues, I try to keep it low so it doesn't, so I'm fulfilling kind of this scripture here, if you notice. And no more than two or three speakers at a meeting with the rest of you listening and taking it to heart. Take your turn. Now watch this. Read the next verse for me. Is it up here on the screen? Where is it at? I gotta read it, okay. I thought it was there if prayers are offered in tongues, and it says, otherwise keep it between you and God and yourself and no more than two or three speakers at a meeting with the rest of you listening and taking it to heart. Take your turn. No one person taking over. Everybody say no one person taking it over. Now does that look like the modern day church today? Hallelujah. Then each speaker gets a chance to say something special from God. And then you all learn from each other. If you choose to speak, you're also responsible for when and how you speak. When we worship the right way, God doesn't stir us up into confusion. In other words, there's a lot of pastors who think things can get really, really weird. But when it's God, it doesn't get weird. It gets good. It gets edifying. So then everybody gets edified. Edified. He brings us into harmony, and watch what Paul says. This goes for all the churches. Everybody say all the churches. And then there's a dash, and it says, no exceptions. In other words, you are not prohibited to conduct churches or services outside of these lines other than a unified body that's included because all of us are some of him, and none of us are all of him. That's why the Bible declares that we are the body of Christ. There's a hand in here. I'm sure there's a neck in here. They would consider me the neck because I kind of helped turn the church a little bit. There's a leg. There's a foot in here. Everybody has their own giftings in God that contribute to the fullness of the Godhead, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? So we all have our own gifts and strengths to add edification to the body. Everybody say, I have a gift. We talked about gifts last week. If you didn't get that message, I encourage you to go on podcast and get it or simply stream it online on Facebook. But it's amazing because here's what I've been thinking lately. God is far too big to be restricted in moving through one or just a few people. God is much, much bigger than that. The God of the universe, the God who hung the stars and named them all, the God who knows every hair on your head and they are numbered, the God who created and gave you strategic you know uh, uh, fingerprints, and it 's different than everyone else 's The God who made your facial features different than everybody else in the world you 're not duplicated whatsoever. God created you intricately that 's a pretty big God to make to to kind of invest that kind of detail in his creation if he 's that big, then how can God be limited through one vessel in a service any time i 've ever seen revival it's it 's been It's moved through, it's been through a many-membered body, not through a one-man show. And so we've been talking about what Reaching Forward is all about, which is one of our visions for the church. And one of our visions is to be a many-membered body. What does that mean? It's a spiritual way of saying, we want God to use you as well as he uses me. And we want everybody to bring their gifting, their talent, their skill, their anointing. That's a spiritual word. Their anointing. In other words, an anointing is what, a certain thing that God puts on you that you can do that thing better than anyone else, not because you're necessarily skilled more than them, but God anointed you particularly to do a certain something, whatever that might be, amen? But he's far too big to be restrained in just Donnie Smith or just Moses Reyes or or Matt or Kelly or Melanie or my wife, amen? It's because God wants us to be partakers of his divine nature. He wants to move through each and every one of us. And you know why I think that God created it that way? It's that so we wouldn't get arrogant. It's so that we wouldn't become prideful in being used by him exclusively. This is why a lot of pastors fall because they fall under the pressure of performing because God only uses them. Pride has a way of blinding you and causing you to fall into a pit. But when a church or an organization is working with the Holy Spirit and he's moving through a many-membered body, no one person gets the credit, but only Jesus gets glorified. That was a place where you should have clapped. Only Jesus should be glorified. No man, no woman, no manifestation, no music. Sorry, Matt, Kelly, and Melanie nothing be glorified, only Jesus. And that's his goal. And there's a few different points um, that I wanna make, but before I do, again, I said I was gonna be a little bit laborious, but after I read this portion of Scripture, then we're gonna dive into this teaching. Can everybody hang in with me? And you're not gonna have to go here, but it's found in 1 Corinthians 12, and it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We just read a portion of the Bible that talks about how we're supposed to be an inclusive body. We're supposed to include everybody. Everybody say, I'm included. I'm included. You're included. Now watch this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 through 11. Are you gonna have that up on the screen for me or do we not have that? We're gonna talk after service. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. You can go there for, refer- for your own references at your own time or you can just write it down. I'd like you to read it at some point if you consider yourself a member here. We don't have membership classes. Somebody asked me, how do I become a member here? And you know what I told them? Just come again. <laughs> Just keep showing up if you want to be a member here. I don't give you member numbers and I don't track your giving records and all of that good stuff. I don't personally, our system does. Just keep coming. Look at somebody and say, Keep coming. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Look at somebody and say, Don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away uh, by these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit, okay? Everybody say the same Holy Spirit. There's no second, third cousin of the Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, here are all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, there's nine. There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. But the same Holy Spirit works all these things, distributing each to each one as God wills, he wills. First one I wanna quickly talk about, and I'm gonna briefly run through these, okay? And we're gonna go somewhere and we're gonna have some fun. That was the introduction, okay? Everybody breathe deep. (sighs) Okay, no more long reading. The first one is word of wisdom. When you see this in operation, and you probably didn't know that this was a gift on your life, but have you ever thought to yourself when someone explained a problem to you and it was just like a light bulb and it came very naturally and you know how to solve that problem and you wonder to yourself, why doesn't this person get it? Am I the only one who has felt that way? Word of wisdom gives you strategy or wisdom to do something that would produce a godlike outcome. That's called the word of wisdom. It's not just being a smart person. This is a gift that God puts in an, in, in an individual that gives them the wisdom to do what God would call them to do. The word of knowledge. How many know what the word of knowledge is? The other day, um, Joel came up and grabbed the microphone, and he said, I feel, I'm feeling pain in my right leg. Is there anyone in here who has an issue with their leg? I'm just being elementary to some of you who don't. Understand what what, what these specific gifts mean. Word of knowledge is knowing that someone is uh, struggling with something in their body and you can call it out. There's somebody in here who's feeling pain in their right leg. That is a word of knowledge, okay? God gives you a supernatural understanding to know that there's someone in the room struggling with something. Amen? Amen? Faith. We're not talking about just. Um, a regular faith. We're talking about a mountain-moving faith. That's the third gift that God's Spirit gives to us. It's the innate ability to be able to believe something that looks impossible in the natural. That's what faith is. Gifts of healing, number four. Gifts of healing is pretty clear. You see lots of healing evangelists. Some are unequivocally real and organic and amazing, and some they're operating on some other stuff. But this gift right here, gift of healing, is God's anointing on an individual's life to deal with sick people and to call those things that be not as though they were and they see results. They can lay hands on someone and cancer will leave. Amen? They can lay hands on someone who has a broken bone and their bones will mend. It's just a, a healing anointing upon that person's life. They may lay hands on someone with a short leg and it grow out. Amen? It's, that's called the gift of Of healing. And then there's miracles. Everybody say miracles. Miracles is what it is. Then there's the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is the ability to be able to hear God's voice and be able to declare it. Have you ever seen someone in a church service or a man or a woman of God saying, I hear the Lord saying this? That is the gift of prophecy. And the secondary part of that is someone who declares the word boldly. That's what prophecy means someone who has the ability to communicate the word of God powerfully with conviction. That's prophecy. Number seven is discerning of spirits. Have you ever been around someone who you just know, you get that ick feeling? You guys know what I'm talking about? You go around someone with your kids and you're like, I would never leave my kid with you. You're discerning a spirit. Discerning of spirits. You understand what's operating behind an individual. It's a discernment that you have. I call it your knower. There's some people who have more of a discerning of spirits gift than others. Some people don't discern much. You ever get that feeling like you're like, how can you not see this in this person? That's because they don't have the gift of discerning of spirits, and you do. It's a gift, though, that God gives you. Anybody resonating with any of these gifts or see yourself somewhere in here? God-given gifts. There's two more. There's tongues, and then there is interpretation of tongues. It's the ability to be able to pray or speak in a heavenly language that God divinely has given you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, but we will hear it pretty soon. And then there's the interpretation of tongues. To be honest with you, I've never operated in the ninth one, which is the interpretation of the tongues, being able to interpret that heavenly language for someone. I want to minister this morning from a subject called Awaken what's in you. Everybody say awaken what's in you. I want you to look at one of your neighbors and I want you to say awaken what's in you. Why do I say awaken what's in you? It's because everybody has a gift like I just explained last week. But some people's gifts are more dormant than others. But everybody has a gift that God has put in them strategically to be used for the edification of the church, what, is the edif- what does edify mean? Somebody say, what does edify mean? It means to build up. It means to strengthen. It means to encourage someone or a church body. And there's a few things, and there's four things I want to nail this morning quickly, and then we 're going to have some fun and activate some gifts. so get ready, get ready, get ready. That's what TDJ says. He shakes his head and touch three people and say, "Get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> you got to eliminate that off of Facebook. I don't want them to see that. I'm not going to do it again. I can do it much better. I was being very mild. Touch three people, say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Well, there's four things that will help awaken, that will help awaken this gift that God has put in you. Can I say this before I get into it? You've probably come into this service today thinking, man, I wish this was a different message. Here we go. They're early. The Lord delivers us next week. Thank you, Jesus. They're practicing. There's four different points I wanna give you, but before I get into that, again, I want to touch... That person who walked in here today thinking that they were going to receive a different message, you're like, man, I'm not churched. I didn't come here to, you know, listen about gifts and how I can be used in the church. Might I say to you, I want to speak directly to you, ma'am, directly to you, sir. The reason we often live frustrated lives is because we live, like I explained last week, like a fish out of water in these gifts the reason i want to talk to them about about this i want to talk about this today is because we oftentimes when we live outside of god's perfect will and his plan outside of the design that he's how he's made us how he's wired us we live frustrated lives but he's designed us with specific intent and if we operate or live lives outside of that intent Bible, basic instructions before, before leaving earth, you will live a frustrated life and you will not be fulfilled. But this is a part of a sermon that is going to help you fulfill your purpose in this life so that you can experience the joy and contentment and happiness that God would have you to enjoy as you do life his way. Everybody say, do it his way. Number one, believe. Everybody say, Believe. What you choose to believe or choose not to believe will directly affect how you experience God on this side of heaven. There's no doubt in my mind that most of you, if you've declared Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are going to heaven. No doubt. But what you believe or what you choose not to believe will directly affect the quality of relationship and the quality of your experience with God on this side of heaven. This determines whether you just live a mundane life or you live a life that is filled with the supernatural. This will, this will determine whether or not you experience God working with you with miracles, signs, and wonders, you being utilized in the kingdom, you being fulfilled by partnering with God, or you just saying yes to Jesus, coming and listening to a little message on Sunday morning, and going back and living a sinful life. I refuse to live out a gospel that is powerless When Jesus died and he said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in my mortal body, I cannot settle for a watered-down gospel or a third-rated Holy Spirit or a third-cousin Holy Spirit. I cannot settle for that. I want all that God has for me, but if I'm going to activate that, somebody say activate it, if we're going to awaken those gifts in our life, if we're going to awaken what's in us to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we are going to have to believe that what he put in us is not second-rated or second-hand. It is the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now he wants to empower you to go out and change the world, change your family, change your own life, and use you for his kingdom and for his glory. And to settle for anything less than that, I'd rather go back and I'd go to work for McDonald's. I would rather just close the book and call it a day. We cannot settle for anything less than God's best. I think it's offensive to God to live a life that's beneath what he died for. And he died to give us access, everybody say access, into everything that he promised in the word of God. But we have to believe it's there. In Matthew 9, 28, watch what he says to these people. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and said, Jesus, and Jesus said to him, excuse me, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Why did Jesus always ask people if they believed that he could do that? Of course he could do it. He was Jesus. But there were specific times in the Bible that Jesus would say things like he wasn't able to do many works there because of their unbelief. Based on what you're going through in life right now, and you're wondering where God is, and he may look absent in your life right now, but could it be, it's not a lack of God's presence, could it be a lack of belief? There's something to be said about faith and belief that activates God and causes God to move on your behalf. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Matthew chapter 13 verse 52 says it like this in the New King James Version. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. If you don't think the gifts of the Spirit are for today, do not worry. God will not interrupt your life with the miraculous. Look at somebody, just look straight. As a matter of fact, it'll be as mundane as you would like it to be. God will not interrupt anybody who doesn't want to believe and partner with him because he moves by faith. Everybody say faith. But if you would dare to believe God and take him at his word, he will move through your life in extraordinary ways. And you think drugs will get you high? There is no high like the most high. Miller has no high like this high. This is the only sustaining presence that have been able to preserve me from going back from where I came from, let me tell you. But as soon as I got this not third-rated Holy Spirit, but the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, there was no amount of drugs that could ever satisfy Donnie Smith. This is what caused me to put my hand against the plow and never look back. Partnering with God. Everybody say, believe. Believe. And if you really think about who God chose to build his kingdom, it will actually stagger the imagination and I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, most churches require, you know, you to go to seminary before you become a minister. They require you to do 2 years as an associate pastor and further your education. They want you to get more degrees than the thermometer. And then just maybe, if you're able to really move a crowd and communicate the word of God and be a student of the word, we might consider you as the pastor of this church. But G- Jesus didn't choose that way. As a matter of fact, he chose uneducated men. He chose fishermen. He chose singers. He, he, he chose zealots that were religious uh zealots of that day. I'll, I'll explain that later. But anyway, John was a religious zealot. Farmers, fishermen. He chose people this kind of way. He, he, may, may, maybe it was something in God's uh, divine wisdom that, that maybe their education would have tainted them and maybe affected their faith in him. But there was one requirement that God had for you to become a minister and on his board of directors, the 12 apostles, namely. You must be a believer. You must have faith. Faith. You'd be surprised at the ministers I meet that have no faith. Nudge somebody right now and say, do you have faith? Do you have faith? Faith and belief is the number one ingredient that God requires if he's going to use you in your life. Faith is what we need to activate us, activate the giftings that he's put deep down on the inside of us. I wrote this quote late last night. I was about to fall asleep and my head almost fell in my Bible, but then the light bulb came on, and here's the quote that I wrote. Doubt is a padlock in the life of a believer, but faith is the key that opens it. So if you want to stay locked away from the supernatural in your life and God moving in your life, just doubt a little bit. But I want to encourage everyone in this room to reverse the doubt, turn it into faith, and watch God move in a great way in your life. Number two, I'm gonna hurry up and try to get through this really quick. Hunger. Everybody say, hunger. Hunger. Psalms 107, verse 9 says this For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. That person who is hungry for the things of God is gonna get filled. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, I believe it is, Blessed is he or she who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Somebody say, I'm hungry. In my mind, there is nothing worse than a person who is astray from God and lost, potentially going to hell. There's nothing worse than I can think of. I think of just family members in my mind who are apart from God. Can anybody think of a family member who's apart from God? When you think about their their eternal security hanging in the balance between them, them choosing to live for God or not, I can't think of anything worse. But do you know what second place for me, is the person who is saved and yet has no hunger for God. Hunger stirs up what's on the inside of you. Belief and faith stirs up what's on the inside of you. Spiritual hunger is a sign that you're spiritually healthy. Somebody say, I'm healthy. It's a sign that you're healthy. It's the same in the natural as it is in the spirit. The past few days, my daughter Zoe has been Throwing her cereal off the tray. Bananas are stuck on the wall. What is she on? The brat diet? The bananas, rice, whatever. Everybody know what the brat diet is? If you're a mom, you know what I'm talking about. Well, it's like uh, you're putting food into a machine. It's just like throwing it right back at you. It's like reverberating, you know, If you're a good parent, the first thing in your mind when your child is not hungry, your red flags go off, right? Your red flag gets waved because you know that this is not normal. It's the same way in the spirit. When we walk into this room and you see hungry people, it's not that we're weird. It's because we're hungry. As a matter of fact, it's weird not to be hungry. It's a sign that there's something wrong in our spirit, man, where we're not hungry and thirsting for the things after God. Amen? Amen. My mom is currently in the hospital, and so I've been up several times throughout the week. I finally found out some issues with her that we're certainly going to be praying about. wasn't good news by, by any stretch, but we also know that we serve a miracle working God. So if you would, continue to pray for her. So she had a couple of minor surgeries this past week, and so... I made it my aim to run up there. I was working right down the road as the church is right down the road. The new location is right down the road from the Florida hospital. It's only about five minutes away. And so I rushed up there right after the surgery. They made an incision and uh, did a biopsy. And to my surprise, she, she comes out of surgery. And the first thing, I guess it shouldn't have been a surprise. The first thing she asked for was food. And when she said that, it wasn't very long before I left because I knew she was okay because she was hungry. Because hunger is a good thing. If if she wasn't hungry or she was, you know, that's a sign to me that there's something wrong. But when she wakes up out of that induced comatose state and she talks about Chipotle and her vinaigrette, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt my mom's gonna make it through this and she's gonna be okay. She's hungry. In a life of a believer, when I see that they're hungry for the things of God, it is a sign to me that you're on the right track. No matter what you're going through, no matter what mountain you're facing, no matter how big of a difficulty you're facing right now, if you can manage to hunger for the things of God, I can tell you right now, that is a sure sign that you're well on your way. There's a story in Matthew of this, this woman who had a daughter with, an, uh, with a, a, de- a pos- she was possessed She was bound by a certain spirit, and I I want to read it, but I don't really have the time to. It's sitting in front of me. But just to kind of brief you on it, she comes to Jesus and says, Lord, will you deliver my daughter? And this is what Jesus says to her I'm called to the house of Israel. She was of a mixed race, she was a Gentile. And he says, I'm called to the people of Israel. Please don't bother me with your problems. If they had Facebook Live back then, they would have recorded Jesus' response because he ends up calling her a dog. He says, the master doesn't give his food to dogs. It's for the house of Israel. And her response is this, yes, master, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. If this woman was not hungry for the more of God, she would have missed her blessing. What does that say to us today? That says, that says this to me. There are plenty of people around Jesus but are not pulling and putting a demand on him in their life and therefore are not seeing the results that they want to see in their life. As a matter of fact, do you know what Jesus said to her after she says, um, even the dogs eat that comes from the master's table? He says, then Jesus answered and said to her, oh woman, great is your faith. He stops in his tracks. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that moment on. Her hunger enticed Jesus to move on her behalf. This determines the believer who lives a mundane life. Oh, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. That is not true. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It sounds really holy, but let me tell you something. It is not holy whatsoever. God's will is for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in your life as it is in heaven. Then why is it not happening? Because of a lack of hunger, a lack of pursuit in our life. But if we would just dare to believe to take him at his word and provoke him and provoke heaven, the Lord would then move on our behalf. But oftentimes the miraculous is not being awakened in our life. The gifts of God that are on the inside of us are not being wakened up because of a lack of hunger. 1 Corinthians verse 12, verse 31 says this, but earnestly desire, everybody say earnestly. Earnestly desire the best gifts. That's in the gift chapter that I just read you. Desire it, long for it, yearn for it. Yearn for God to be at work in your behalf. You will only get filled to the degree that you are hungry for God. No more and no less. How filled do you want to be? Number three, and I'll close right after this. Stir the gift. This is how we awaken the gifts of the Spirit in our life. We stir the gift. Everybody say stir the gift. Come on, I'm gonna stir you up right now. Come on, stir the gift. Say it again, stir the gift. 2 Timothy verse 1, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse six, 6 through 7 says this. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And, 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 and in the message Bible, it says this: and the special gift of ministry you received from the laying on of my hands, you and you and I prayed, keep that ablaze. God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but to be bold, loving, and sensible. I want to draw your attention to something. Everybody say, stir the gift. For those of you who are not really familiar with churchianity, there's there's several different ways you can receive a gift. There's three in my mind. There are gifts that are divinely given by God, just like in Jeremiah. I knew you in your mother's womb and ordained you as a prophet. He had a gift of prophecy on his life. He was born with the gift. There's a second way you can receive these gifts through desire. In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it says, earnestly desire the best gifts. So you can desire a gift. In other words, if the gift of prophecy, in other words, hearing from God is attractive to you, pray on that gift and God will give you the gift. And then you got to practice the gift. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there's a third way you can receive gifts. Stir up the gift. Is that up on the screen? I wish you could see this. First, 2 Corinthians 1, 6-7. He said, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. A man or a woman of God can lay hands and stir a gift or impart a gift in your life. You can pray it. You can desire it. You can receive it through laying on of hands, or you can be born with a gift. Somebody say, I was born gifted. Stir the gift, stir the gift, stir the gift, Lord, this morning. I grew up in the early years in a mechanic shop. My best friend, Matthew, I've known him for 28 years now. Something, he's still my best friend. Grew up going to First Baptist of Orlando with him. And there's a 3,000-square-foot shop on the back of his dad's house. And so I grew up there. I love classic cars. I, I love, anyway, I love everything that surrounds, you know, hot rods and working on cars and all of that good stuff. And here's what I found about cars. If you're wondering what my favorite car is, just in case you want to bless me, it's a 1957 Bel Air. But anyway, that's another. My birthday's in December. It's only a $100,000 car. And it's gotta be turquoise. <laughs> be specific, ask and you shall receive. I'm just kidding. One thing I found about mechanic work and cars is the worst thing you can do for a car is to let it sit. It's to not start it. To not stir it. Things can rust out. Things can dry rot and corrode. If anybody likes cars, you understand what I'm talking about. So one way that you can awaken your gift or start your engine, spiritually speaking, is to stir it up. Somebody say stir it up. Think about that Bob Marley song. Stir it up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to y'all after service. I haven't heard that in a long time. Look at you guys listening to that. I'm just kidding. You have to stir the gift of God. You know what Smith Wigglesworth said? If I am not moved by the Spirit, I stir the Spirit. Many of you come in Sunday morning waiting for God to stir you. Could it be that the Holy Spirit is waiting for your faith to stir Him? When I'm pacing, and I always tell you guys this, when I'm up here, I'm stirring Him up. If you're not going to move me this morning, I'm going to move you with my love. I'm going to move you with my faith. I'm going to move you with my prayers. I'm going to move you with my desires. Stir the gift. Stir the gift. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.